What's up, Vineyard Northwest family? Wilson here. This past Sunday, we launched a new series that we're going to be in for quite a while called Supernatural. I'm really excited for you to hear this message, and honestly, I was really excited to give it. I gave it on about one hour's prep, but I feel like God really uh, did give me something important for the series to share. So you'll hear in the message why I had such little time to prepare, but I hope you enjoy this message and that you begin to embrace an even more supernatural worldview. Have a great week. All right. Good morning, everyone. We had a leap year. Isn't that crazy? Extra day this year. Who took advantage of the extra day this year and did something crazy? What did you do? No, I'm just kidding. What did you do? Hey, welcome. If we haven't met before, my name is Wilson. It's really good to see you. Um, something kind of interesting for you to know is that I wasn't scheduled to preach this morning, but I found out that I was at 8.30. So... Uh, um, if you notice that we didn't have a drummer this morning, Luke actually got sick. And so this is the thing. You can't let the drummer be the preacher because if he gets sick, you don't have drums or a preacher. So we're, we're learning from that. You know, we'll catch on. But um, we're calling a little bit of an audible this morning. So I have some things to share with you. It's going to be really good. But we're starting a new series. So as you see, this first, the, um, the new series for the next little period of time is called Supernatural. And we're gonna go through three different uh, phases in this series. The first phase is supernatural ministry. Um, the second phase is gonna be supernatural worldview. And the third phase is supernatural life. So it's gonna be really good. Luke was actually slated to speak on deliverance this morning. And it was gonna be really good, but that's not what I'm gonna talk about. Um, he's gonna give that message later. It's gonna be a really powerful message. And you know, there's an interesting verse in Matthew where Jesus says, you know that the kingdom of God has come upon you if by the name of, Je if the demons are cast out, essentially. I'm, I'm kind of summarizing the verse. But you'll know that the kingdom of God has come upon you if the devil is unseated. And there's something powerful we're seeing happen here at the church where we're seeing a lot more deliverance happen. We're seeing a lot more people get freed of oppressive spirits. And um, this is actually a sign that the kingdom is coming in an increased way here at Vineyard Northwest. Because a lot of you guys have demons. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but seriously, there's a, it's going to be really good when Luke comes and shares this message. So I'm not going to spoil it for you. But I want to start by asking us this morning, I want to ask you a question, or I kind of ask ourselves a question, and that is this. What type of life are we called to? What type of life are we called to? Turn with me to John 20, 21. None of my scriptures are going to be on the screen, so we're just going to do your phones and uh, real Bibles this morning. But John 20, 21, what's happened is Jesus has resurrected from the dead, um, and he's appearing to his 12 disciples, kind of commissioning them, giving them final instructions, letting them know what's about to happen. And we pop in, he's, he's appeared to them, and here's what he says. I'll, I'll actually start in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad and they, when they saw the Lord. 
Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. Now here's, here's the thing I want to focus in on. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So what type of life are we called to? It's pretty simple. The same type of life that Jesus was called to. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus was sent. Okay, a couple weeks ago, I was uh, speaking down at a YWAM base. Um, I'm going to tell some of my story this morning, but actually, I got saved in YWAM, which is a missions organization. It stands for Youth with a Mission. And they've asked me to come back and teach on evangelism and the Holy Spirit for the last several years. And an uh, interesting thing about Youth with a Mission, this missions organization, is that it's interdenominational. And what that means is um, it has no denominational allegiance. Like you can come from any kind of Christian faith background and be part of it. And what that results in is people coming from all different types of Christian faiths. So like you have students come who um, have no idea who like the Holy Spirit still moves and works today and he speaks today. You have other students come from totally charismatic Pentecostal backgrounds. Just this whole melting pot of people coming from different backgrounds. And so... Uh, it so happened that the school I was speaking at was from a group, was a group of students who none of them really had a Holy Spirit background. None of them really knew about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or that um, God worked miracles today or that we could hear God's voice or any of that. They just kind of understood the Holy Spirit is who saves us and he opens up scripture to us. But beyond that, we don't really know much. And so I did a little pop quiz with them. I said, hey, I want you all to write down on a piece of paper right now, if you had to summarize Jesus' ministry on earth in one sentence, how would you summarize it? And I gave them all five minutes, and they all wrote down different things. We went around the room, and they were reading off like, Jesus um, loved children, and he did good, and he preached the gospel. Or Jesus was a person that everyone wanted to be around, and he brought light and life into a dying world. And we went down a lot. It was something pretty similar to all of those. And I said, okay, now I want you guys to turn to Acts 10.38. And so will you guys turn with me to Acts 10.38. And I said, this is how the disciple Peter, this is how the apostle Peter summarized Jesus' ministry in one sentence. So Peter is speaking to a whole group of people who are not Jews, which is significant because um, in this time, Jews were the people who followed the real God. And, you, and people, the belief was even that you had to become a Jew in order to follow God and have a relationship with God. So he's speaking to a whole group of Gentiles, and he's explaining to them who Jesus is and um, what his ministry was. And here's what he says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Notice, no mention. Well, here's what's funny, and it stands out to me about this. There is no mention of Jesus as a teacher in this verse. How many of you guys would say, like, a big part of Jesus' ministry is teaching, right? And, taking, and then what are the other things that we, like, really emphasize in the world and in the church today? Taking care of the poor, um, Worship, all these different things that we hold to very high importance. But Peter, when put on the spot, having to describe what Jesus' ministry was like in one sentence, he makes no mention of teaching, caring for the poor, reading the Bible, anything like that. He says, 
He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So what I want to propose to you guys this morning is that we cannot have a supernatural enough worldview. It is impossible for us to have, especially in our Western 21st century um, refined American life, to have a supernatural enough worldview. Let me put it to you like this. We serve a supernatural God and we're fighting a supernatural enemy. (laughs) So your worldview about the supernatural will either limit you and and your effectiveness as a follower of Christ and being used in the kingdom of God, or it will release you into great things. Your worldview will either limit how God wants to use you, or it's going to release you into actually doing the same and greater works that Jesus did. How many of you believe that? Um, This week, we actually, there's something going around in Cincinnati right now where the person that's supposed to speak bails. um, Because on Tuesday, Luke didn't bail. Um, On Tuesday morning, I get a text from my dad saying, hey, Jim Baker can't speak at a church in Cincinnati. Can you go? And And I couldn't. My wife was sick. And so we dialed up Jordan Pelfrey, the student revival pastor here, and said, hey, Jordan, there's a church that needs someone to come and do a, a message on healing tonight. Can you come and can you go do it? Can you go speak? So basically, uh, Jordan, with like three hours notice, says, all right, I'll do it, and, get, and goes to a ministry called Aglow. Who's, who's ever heard of Aglow? Or Women's Aglow is what it formed those. Now it's merged to Men's and Women's Aglow. And so Tuesday night, uh, Jordan got to spend about three hours up in Westchester, four hours, he won't forget how long it was, um, <laughs> up in Westchester, speaking on healing and then praying for, he took a team of three people and I'm gonna let him come up and share about it. But there's something that God's wanting to shift our mindset around right now when it comes to the supernatural. He's not wanting us to limit the supernatural to worship and to prophecy and to um, the things we already kind of categorize as supernatural. He's wanting us to totally shift our worldview to view everything in life and, and to be sniffing out where is the supernatural coming into play in it. So Jordan, will you come up and share about what happened Tuesday night and just all the powerful stuff? This is also getting me a couple minutes off the stage. So there we go. Hello. I didn't know Wilson wasn't going to stand up here with me while I talked. I'll just go through his notes now. Um, but yeah, so Tuesday, like afternoon, Wilson's like, hey, do you want to preach? And it was literally three hours notice. And my wife, Holly, and I prayed about it. And we felt like God was saying like, yes, definitely go do it. And so we went and it was, it was really powerful. It was a really long night. We were there for four and a half hours and we ministered for about an hour and a half straight uh, during that time. And, and when I, I talked to the lady on the phone who was running it, just kind of seeing like, you know, what do you want from us? And, and she said, you know, we've seen, we've had like all the teaching. Like we don't need like a really incredible message on how to heal or how to do the supernatural. She's like, you can bring a message, you know, whatever, just talk on whatever you want. But really we want the power of God. We need like, we need him there. And so, uh, you know, short order there. That's pretty easy to do. <laughs> um, but we get there, and, and I just kind of shared some stories and a, and a few, like, points, I guess. And, uh, and, and we started to do ministry, and there were so many 
healings and, and just crazy testimonies that when we got in the car to leave, we couldn't remember them all. So we tried to write down like as many as we could and we got to like 10 or something and we were like, I, I don't even know. Um, some of the really cool stuff that happened, we, so we, we, I brought a team of three people, my wife and then two people that serve in our ministry. And we, before we went in, we asked the Lord for words of knowledge, which is just um, when we just ask God, like, will you tell me something that you want to do tonight? And, and we felt like he gave us this list of like 10 or 15 things that ranged from um, mental illness stuff or physical ailments. Uh, we, we felt like we got some names for people that, that God wanted to highlight and, and do something uh, supernatural in their lives. And, and so we created this list and I, I finished preaching my message and we just pulled out my phone and just read, read down it. And there were about 100 people or so in the room and I, uh, just under half, I'd say, responded to these words, just from different things like hearing problems and back problems. We called out some specific names and, and things like that. And a, a lot of people responded. And we started just praying over the room. And almost immediately, like, healing just started to happen. There was a guy that was, like, way over here on my left, like, 10 seconds into praying. He's like, I can see better. Now. Like, there, we had a lot of... Um, I people stood for eye problems. And he was like, my vision is so much clearer. Like, I can actually read what's on the screen right now and, and all this stuff, uh, which, which was awesome. Tons of eyes got healed. One word we got was for plantar fasciitis. And there was a lady who was standing in the front that uh, after we prayed, she said, I've had this for two years. I've been to the doctor. I've had procedures done. Nothing has helped, but right now there's no pain for the first time in two years, which was just incredible. Um, honestly, all the really cool stuff happened when my team prayed, not when I got to do anything. Uh, I, it, there, there was powerful stuff that happened, uh, but they, they were seeing some like radical healings. Um, I learned the word for this, tinnitus. Tinnit so we, uh, my, my friend Nathaniel, he probably prayed for four or five people with tinnitus, uh, there was one lady who said her ears had been ringing for 20 years, and he prayed for her, and he said, how do you feel? She said, quiet. <laughs> and uh, just lots of, lots of really, really powerful stuff, things I've never seen God do before, problems I've never heard of. There was one lady who, uh, she said that her vision was bad in her right eye because it got really dry. It wouldn't water itself. I, I don't know what the word is for that. So I prayed for her. I was like, I don't even know how to pray for this. So I was like, saline of heaven, fill her eye in Jesus' name. And she opened her eye, and she's like, it's starting to water right now. And, and uh, her vision was starting to come back, and, and it, was, it was really great. Is there anything else you want me to share? Yeah, that was it. Thanks. One of my favorite things Jordan told us about was that during the ministry time, the woman who was leading the event wanted to kind of like note something to the room because it was a more Pentecostal church. That was like their stream and their flavor. She just wanted to tell the whole room. She said, hey, do you guys notice that God is moving right now? God is healing people and there's no one playing music. The preacher isn't yelling. Um, there's no X, Y, or Z. And what that... When Jordan told me that, I, I kind of chuckled, but the thing that really hit me was like, oh my goodness, we have something really special here. Like the naturally supernatural idea 
that God's power isn't dependent upon us to show up. God's power isn't needing to be coached by us to flow into a room. There's something really special that we carry here. And I just want to encourage you guys that you carry that everywhere you go. That like you don't need a feeling or a word of knowledge or to have even be having a good day for God to want to use you in power throughout your week. And there's just something there that I think we can all meditate and stew on that, wow, God wants to use me. God wants to use me. So, all right, that was awesome. Now, I want to turn a couple of different places with you guys. Um, go to Ephesians 6.12 with me. And just kind of put your thumb there. This, I'm going to tell you another story before I read the scripture. Um, this past two weeks ago, most of our staff was at a conference in Champaign, Illinois, at a vineyard there called More Love, More Power. And it was a really powerful conference, something cool. A couple of the staff members, including myself and my wife, were actually asked to um, present a workshop and to teach a class at the conference. So Micah Turnbow is another person, taught a really powerful workshop. But my wife and I were asked to speak. And when they specifically asked my wife and I to do it together, we were thinking like, what is, what is something that we can talk about together that will have like a kick to it, you know? Because like she is an amazing worship leader. She has tons of great revelation from God about um, worship and knowing God's heart. And I'm, you know, I love evangelism. So there's like, each of us kind of had our own thing. If we were asked to do a workshop about that we would talk about, but we were trying to think, what is something we can do together? And we decided to talk about relationships and how to walk through conflicts with honor. And 2019 was a year for my wife and I where we went through tons of like hard relational conflicts with people like really close to us. And we felt like we came out of the end of the year almost like passing a test, if you will. We felt like, wow, we'd come out um, surviving, but also like with an upgrade in how to handle relationships. So we were sharing, um, we went and we opened our workshop. We, I kind of just shared, but I just shared with you guys, we're going to talk about. And then we said, hey, before we go there, though, we want to do a little bit of ministry time because we know that if we don't prioritize ministry at the beginning, it just won't happen at all. And so Jen had some prophetic words and some words of knowledge. She started listing them off and like a bunch of people in the room stood up for her first prophetic word, responding to it. And then there's probably like 50 people in the room. We were prepared for like four people to come to our breakout because the keynote speaker of the conference was also doing a workshop at the same time as us. So like the day before, like, okay, like there'll be four people there. We'll huddle up in a circle and, you know, cry that no one came and just tell them <laughs> what little stuff we know, you know. But then like 50 people show up. But I'm like, can someone go make more copies of our handout for me? Because, <laughs> but Jen lists off these words and tons of people stand up. And then just this other word pops in her head. And she says, I just felt like God said that um, the word incarcerated just came to mind. Does incarcerated mean something to someone in the room? And as soon as she says this, this woman just begins to, she just like literally explodes into tears, like just bursts into tears. And pretty quickly it turns from tears into um, like, her making these weird motions and her just like kind of yelling. And so I like jump up and I like call out some more words and several more people stand up around the room and we start praying for people. And I knew right away it was a demon manifesting that Jen's word had touched. See, lots of times um, 
there's a point of pain in someone's life. And when you don't take your pain to God and you take your pain to yourself or you take your, or you dwell on your pain, what you're actually doing is you're opening yourself up to um, spiritual oppression to enter your life and really demonic activity to come against you. And so what Jen did was she touched on a point of pain in this woman's life and a demon started to manifest. And so I go over to the woman and I start to pray for her and you know like, if you know anything, like deliverance isn't this short thing usually. Like Jesus had a, Jesus lots of times had this quick anointing where demons just came right out. But in my experience, lots of times there's a process, there's an interview, there's a conversation, and the person really has to want to get free and cooperate with what's gonna happen. And so I realized pretty quickly, like this can't, I'm not gonna be able to settle this in a couple of seconds. So I said, Luke, get over here. <laughs> and so Luke runs over and takes her out of the room and prays with her for about a half hour. And she gets several um, like dark, oppressive spirits broken off of her life and, I, and, and is getting to walk in a bunch of freedom. And I see her a couple hours later. I said, hey, how are you doing? Like, you know, there's thousands of people at this conference, so it's crazy that I ran into her. But I said, how are you doing? What's going on? Like, sorry I didn't get to pray for you more. How did it go? And she said, oh my gosh, like I feel like a different person. When I look in the mirror, I see someone different now, even. And several of the people I came to the conference with have said, like, what happened? You're totally different. And what I want to propose to you guys is that if our worldview doesn't have the supernatural in it, we're going to medicate that woman. We're going to medicate her. And we're going to counsel her. And we're going to... Um, Tell her about more Bible verses she needs to memorize and the lies that she needs to stop believing. But that's not going to cut it. You know, there's a world out there that's hurting and broken, and the best thing that the world can offer it is a pill. But we as believers have something more powerful, and I'm not against psychiatrics, counseling, or um, prescription drugs at all. Like there's a time and a place and they're super appropriate and helpful sometimes. But what I wanna say is we have the answer. And that if our worldview cuts that out, we're not gonna be used like that in people's life. Listen to what um, Paul says in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 5, I'm sorry. Ephesians 6, actually. <laughs> I wrote these notes like 10 minutes ago, okay? <laughs> For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our battle is not against flesh and blood at its core. Think about this. How did pain, sin, and brokenness enter the world? Not, disease didn't just spontaneously manifest in the book of Genesis. We have no, like, it's not like the apple that, or whatever fruit Eve ate was, had coronavirus in it, you know? It was through an act of choosing a new master. When God had given Adam and Eve authority, and when they decided to obey a new master, they welcomed that new master into this earth to have, to do his will and to do his bidding. You see, God had given Adam and Eve authority to rule and subdue the earth. And so what they were doing is they were functioning out of the father's spiritual authority. And when they disobeyed the father and they obeyed the serpent, they actually gave the serpent access into the earth. They gave the serpent access 
into humanity to bring disease and chaos and destruction. So what I want to tell you is all the pain and brokenness that we see in the world, ultimately when we wind back, it has a supernatural root. The state of the world is not a natural decay, yada, yada. It's that there is a devil that is real that hates us and that hates the earth and he's bent on our destruction. And, and to the measure that we will realize that, see, we can't fight the battle, right, if we don't know our enemy. <laughs> if we don't recognize who our enemy is, how are we gonna fight the battle? Some interesting things Paul points out here. He says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but what's it against? Authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces. You know, it's interesting that Paul doesn't say it's against demons. What I want to propose to you guys, and we're going to dive into this more in this uh, sermon series, that we have a kind of simple, like, what I've discovered in myself at least is like, oh yeah, I believe in the supernatural. And I'm like, yep, I believe in the supernatural. I'm not one of those ignorant people that just believes it's natural, blah, 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 blah. But over the past year, God's really been teaching me that it's, I've only seen the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the supernatural realm. That I've only seen this tiny bit and there's a lot more that God wants to reveal to us for the sake of fighting the fight right and getting people free. Like, doesn't, don't you just kind of categorize everything Paul says about the darkness here into the category of the demonic? But he doesn't even once mention demons. He lists these other, um, if you will, spiritual beings. He says, rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces, there's so much, the, the, the purpose of this message isn't to like stir us up like, oh my gosh, there's so much darkness. Jesus is one, okay? Like Jesus was super, super successful at the cross. You know that um, he said that the, the ruler of this world has nothing on me. And Jesus said that all authority has been given to me. So you know that Jesus is the one who has authority here on earth, but, there, but the devil is there stealing, killing, and destroying so this message isn't meant to make us think like, oh my goodness, the devil is way more powerful than I thought. What this message is meant to do right now is to take some of the blinders off, reorient our worldview so that we see things rightly, so that we see things how they actually are. So I had this thought. If you want the supernatural to not just happen to you, but for you to happen to it, you need to be actually seeking a regular infilling of the Holy Spirit. If we want um, life to happen to us, then we should be content with as much of God's presence as we experience right now. But if you actually wanna be on the offense, if you wanna be happening to life, if you want to be driving out demons, driving out demons, healing sickness, bringing light in life places, then we need to be passionately pursuing and seeking more of God's presence, to experience him more, to be filled every day with his power and his love and his presence. Listen to what Jesus says in Acts 1.8 to his disciples. Jesus is resurrected. He's about to go back to heaven. And here's what he says. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right before this, he tells them, wait. 
Don't go, I want you just to sit in Jerusalem and pray and wait for, to receive power. Now, if you ask me, I would say that like, why do I need to wait? Jesus, I just spent three years with you. Like, let's go, let's do this. I've just been mentored by you. I've been watching you for the past three years. I can do this. Let me out, coach. But what Jesus says, he says, wait until you receive power. You guys, this life we live, we will not live it victoriously without a continuous infilling of God's power. We need, can somebody say amen to that? Amen. You guys are free to talk, all right? I, I, I'm very good at encouraging myself, but I'm also open to be encouraged by you guys. Um, if we are not seeking power, God's power for his mission, then life will happen to us. If we're not regular saying, Lord, I need more. I'm not satisfied with the, the last um, infilling I received from you. I need a fresh one. Look, look at, this was, and this was paramount in the early church. Look at Acts, turn to Acts 4 now. My, my bad, Acts 6. So I'm gonna read Acts 6, verse one through three. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So here's what's happening. The, the early church, everyone's living together. They expect that Jesus is coming back any moment, so they sell all their stuff. They all live together, a common purse. And some of the widows that are living with them that are a certain ethnicity are not getting treated as well as the other widows that are um, ethnically Jewish. So they come together and say, hey, what do we do? How do we solve this problem? And the 12 apostles, they say, hey, look, this is important, but there's actually something more important that we're called to be doing right now. So we need to appoint someone else to do this. This is like one of the earliest examples of church leadership in the Bible. And what, is the, what are the two prerequisites for this person that they appoint to do something that I don't want to say is menial, but I, I want to say is something we wouldn't typically think of as like a super powerful ministry. You know, like I want you to make sure you serve these widows. You guys serve these widows. That's basically the problem they're trying to solve. And here's what they say. Here, here's what they say is important about these, the people that are going to do that. Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. The Holy Spirit isn't limited to the gift of healing and to preaching and to worship and to power being released. The Holy Spirit is needed for our everyday task. You need to be full of the Spirit to type your report at work and send it to your boss. We're called to be full of the Spirit when we're going through the drive-through and we're thanking the person for our change. We're called to be full of the Spirit when we are um, disciplining, our, disciplining our children. 
We're called to be full of the Spirit when X, Y, Z, fill it out, okay? Like flip the mindset of I come to church and I get filled and I might pray for somebody or I might take Sockham or I might do the prophetic class or I'm gonna go on the outreach to I need the Holy Spirit for everything, always, all the time. That's a supernatural worldview is to be full of the Spirit for everything we do on a daily basis. And I just wanna tell you that this wasn't how it always was. This is not how I always looked at things. Um, I wasn't always aware that there was an actual spiritual realm. There was a supernatural realm that the Holy Spirit wanted to fill me with his power and his love so that I could impact it. I didn't always walk around with that worldview and understand that. When I was 18, I moved down to Jacksonville, Florida, and I joined Youth of the Mission. It's a missions organization. And when I went there, I really wasn't even seriously following Jesus. I was just discontented at, in college and knew I needed to like mix it up and do something different. And so I go down to YOM, and in the first several weeks of classes, it, basically I was doing something called a discipleship training school, where I had 12 weeks of classes, and then a nine-week mission trip. And I thought, okay, that'll be sweet. Like, I'll go sit with a bunch of Christian, boring people for 12 weeks if I get to go for nine weeks to, like, India or something like that. That was really, honestly, my thought. And after about three weeks, God just really got a hold of me. And um, I gave my life to him, I surrendered to him. And then the rest, of the, 12, the rest of the weeks during the lecture phase, I was just so excited to get to go overseas and um, do the missions work. And there was one story that our base director told us about from another outreach that really was like kind of framing how I looked at what outreach would be like. Outreach was the missions portion. And he told us a story about his daughter raising someone from the dead in Kenya on her outreach. And how someone had died in a church meeting, a, a Kenyan, and they got her in a taxi cab and they're rush, rushing her to the hospital. And she actually died in the taxi cab on the way there. They pull over, stop, pray for her, ugh, comes back to life. And I just thought, sweet, like, this is what it's going to be like. You know, like, here we go. We're going to raise the dead, like, every day on outreach. This is going to be awesome. And then that, like, what played into that was the whole mindset we have that, like, God shows up in Africa. God shows up in the poor places. There's so much healing and power release, you know? So, like, those two thoughts. And I just want to tell you guys that I prayed for tons of sick people in India over and over and over, and I never once saw anyone get healed. For two months, going to these unreached people who'd never heard the gospel before, sharing with them, praying for them, sharing our testimonies, and I never saw anyone get healed at all. So I come back and I remember sitting in my living room with my dad, talking to him about it and saying, I guess I just don't have the gift of healing. I guess that's just not a way God wants to use me. And my dad was kind of like, no, no, no. It's <laughs> not how it works. Just keep praying for people, okay? Keep going, don't give up, keep praying. So I was like, okay. So about um, three months go by and I am doing another school with YOM where for this school, what they asked is that instead of me going on a mission trip at the end of it, that I would actually join staff and that I would lead the next outreach when another group of young students come along that are going to do the school I just did. Are you guys following me? I feel like I'm just putting so many random logistics in the story. But um, so I'm, I get tasked with leading another trip, like the trip I had just been on, but now I'm leading it. And I was like, is this even legal? Like, I'm 19 years old. You're gonna give me thousands of dollars in like eight people's lives and I'm gonna take them to Indonesia and the Philippines? And they're just like, yeah, ha ha, this is, this is how we do it in YWAM, you'll be good. And I was like, okay. So a couple days before um, the mission trip, my parents 
my mom calls me. She's like, hey, we just watched this movie called Furious Love. And I was like, oh, cool. And she's like, we're going to overnight it to you. We really want you to see it before you lead this team. And I was like, shocked. Because my parents were so cheap that they would <laughs> overnight, that they would overnight. This is before Amazon Prime, okay? Like, you couldn't just click order and it gets it the next day. Like, you had to pay 30 bucks or whatever to overnight something. So they overnighted to me and I watched this video and I got some of the staff together and we watched the movie. And um, in the movie, who's seen Furious Love here? Okay, well, that's your homework if you haven't seen it to go get it on iTunes or I think the whole thing is even on YouTube. But seriously, watch that movie. Please watch that movie. It'll change your life. But the movie is all about miracles and healing and God's like power. And it, what I saw in the movie was like things demonstrated in a really natural, simple way. And it really provoked me. It gave me like a place to start because I didn't have any teaching that I could recollect about how to pray for the sick. But I saw in this movie them like doing it in a really simple way. So I go to the, we're in the Philippines and there's an area we're serving in called Smoky Mountain Dump. There's this literal housing district in Manila, the capital of the Philippines. It's a literal garbage dump, but people live in it. It's like crazy impoverished area. Um, and we're doing house visits for people with tuberculosis and we're bringing the medicine. And I've just seen for yourself and I've just seen the power of God on display. I'm like, all right, medicine is plan B, okay? We're gonna pray and see if God heals people. So we pray for people, nothing's happening. Um, and then one afternoon, there's a, young, there's a man named Fernando who had tuberculosis. We say, can we pray for you before we give you the medicine? And we pray and I ask just a simple prayer. Father, I thank you for healing power. We just bless Fernando's lungs to be cleared and tuberculosis leave in Jesus' name. And I turn to the translator and I say, ask him how he's feeling. And as I'm asking her that, she puts her hand up like this to me because he is talking to her. And, and she's like, one second. And he's talking to her and she says, he feels his lungs clearing right now. He feels a mist rising in his lungs and coming out of his mouth. And I said, well, what's that mean? She's like, he's healed. Like his chest is clearing. And I said, okay, well, ask him if he wants to receive Jesus now. Like, we'll share the gospel. And she's like, hold on. And he, she says, he wants to know if he, how to receive Jesus and to become a Christian. <laughs> and so we just lead him in this simple prayer, come back the next day, give him a Bible. Um, but then two nights later, we are at a youth group and we're ministering. And during the worship time, I just feel this overwhelming sense in my head that God wants to do something more in the room. I couldn't even put it into words. So I just get up and I basically give a ministry call. I don't have any, like, I've just prayed for the first person I've ever seen healed. I don't have any, like, bandwidth for any of this. But I was just like, hey, like, I feel like this is happening in the room. Who wants this? Several people come up for prayer. And we're praying for people and they're, like, getting heavily rocked by the Holy Spirit. The guy we're praying for is like barely able to stand. And I just want to tell you guys that these two moments changed the way I looked at ministry and they changed the way I looked at life. Because I saw all of a sudden that there was a God I served that didn't just want to help people, he wanted to heal people. And he wanted to do it through me. Will you guys stand up? Because God wants to do it through you too. And I just want to pray that this morning there be a release for all of us and more power flowing out of us. And there'd be a release in us, not just helping people, but us healing people. And even I think God's gonna um, use some people in this room heavily in deliverance ministry. And there's a real calling on lots of people in this room to help people. And you're gonna dive into reading books and to like when Luke preaches his message, you're gonna take 
crazy notes. And there's actually a calling on lots of people in this room to work and move in deliverance ministry and help people get free of things that they won't be able to get free of without you. So Father, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your power. And I just say right now, we're not satisfied. We're not satisfied because we want to be used in a greater capacity on this earth. So right now, I pray for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit to come. I just pray for a fresh baptism, Father, for us to be used by you to bring your power and your life to those around us. I release intimacy with Jesus over people in the room right now. I feel like God's just waking up some of your hearts to love him and to see that you actually love him more than anything else. So right now, I just pray for an opening in our hearts for intimacy with you, Jesus, and to know you closely. And right now, I pray that the gift of healing would just start to be stirred and um, awakened in people. I feel like there's lots of people in this room who've never seen anyone healed who are gonna see people healed this week. So look for opportunities to pray, just short, simple prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.